Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. So happy you're tuning in as always. Got a very interesting guest today. Gabby Natalia is on my show. She's an Argentinian, Italian, American journalist, author, entrepreneur, host, and executive producer of the TV program Super Latina, which airs nationwide on PBS VME TV. She's won three Daytime Emmy Awards for Outstanding Daytime Talent in a Spanish Language Program and Outstanding Entertainment Program in Spanish. She's got a great book out there called The Virtuous Circle. Man, this is chock full of fantastic information. It's based on a provocative premise that talent and connections do not guarantee a path to success. How many times have you heard me say that on Dose of Leadership, that talent is a given, right? There's always something else that's driving success. It's, and we think it's talent. We think it's the who we know. And so Gabby unpacks that in her book. And what is it then that sets top achievers apart from everybody else? Through her show, Super Latina, she's created a system of seven eminent archetypes that once they're activated, they create this clear path to achievement. I love this book. It's based on a decade's worth of interviews of extraordinary world leaders, Deepak Chopra, rock legend Carlos Santana. Like me, she's learned a lot from interviewing like I have on this show. And in this book, she breaks down their stories and discovered how all these great people achieve significant things, have channeled their inner strengths to best work for them. Certainly, it's a book that talks about road to success stories, but it's also about her improbable path, which we talk a lot about in this conversation from unemployment in native Argentina to having a dream that seemed impossible, people keeping you down. Sometimes people that you know and friends can stop you from achieving those dreams, but she knew it was in her heart and she eventually became this three-time Emmy award-winning media personality and an entrepreneur in the United States. She's definitely all about pushing boundaries. It's part of her intentional makeup, and you're just going to love this conversation. Again, her, her story is amazing. The book is, I, I've read a lot of books in these first few weeks in 2021. I've literally read eight books in these first three weeks, and this one has really stood out because it's just chock full of so much value, so much how-tos coupled with the stories it's, it's a win-win book. It's something you got to have on your shelf. I really do believe that. And the conversation with her was just so much fun. And it was such a thrill to have her on the show. It is brought to you by my longtime sponsor, Equity Bank. Been with me well over 50 episodes, almost two and a half years now. And it's a team that really knows what it takes to start and grow a business. I've spoken at their leadership conference. I know the leaders personally. It's been exciting to watch them grow into one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. They're listed on the NASDAQ exchange. They got locations all across Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas with plans to expand even further. Clearly, this team at Equity Bank knows how to lead for growth. And so if it feels like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader and you want to work with a bank that really understands your needs, understands entrepreneurship, understands leadership, check out Equity Bank. Go to equitybank.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't done so. Tell somebody about this show. Word of mouth does wonders to keeping us in the top 20 on Apple Podcasts and Business Management category and on Spotify. And it's all because of you. Thanks for taking the time to write a review. Hopefully it's five stars. And reach out to me at doseofleadership.com. Richard at doseofleadership.com is a good way to email me or fill out the contact form. And we'll connect. Let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. All right, let's get on with this conversation with Gabby Natalia here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Gabby, what a thrill to have you on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome to my closet. Yeah, <laughs> I think it looks great. I know you were asking if we're going to do video, and then I was impressed by how you zoomed in and, and man, like a pro, zoomed it in and got the right. I think it looks great. You got the purse in the background and everything else. I know, because uh, in all this quarantine, we thought about being, you know, creative, thinking outside <laughs> the box and everything. And so I changed this. I'm, I'm not going to my office. I'm not going to my studio. I'm really quarantining hardcore. So I know that this is the room in my house that has the best acoustic. Yeah. And I even put some lights in the back. And also at the same time, I'm not going to be interrupted. That's, so we want, a, yeah. we want a conversation. So welcome to my closet. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, I moved down here to the basement. I'm still dealing with the acoustics. I put up these big sound panels on here and... You can't see it, but I got this big fluffy blanket right here that's 
reflecting, absorbing the sound on my wall, and I still get this echoey. So I still got some work to do in here. But yeah, so I, I don't have a closet like you do to go into. But that's great. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I really enjoyed your book, The Virtuous Circle. And I love how you even opened up the book, how it's for dreamers, for rebels at heart who see beyond the circumstances surrounding them. I love the open. I knew when I read that in the preface that this was going to be a great book. And we think along the same things. I, I love the fact that you're really passionate about getting people to understand that, you know, you have something inside. We all have something inside of us. And it's just our job is just to unleash it. Right. It's already there. Right. I mean, that's how I see it. That's how I see it too, but it took me a long time and it took me seeing it in other people to mm -hmm. recognize that I also had it in me because I, as a journalist, was fortunate enough to spend 10, 15 years interviewing extraordinary people. And so I asked myself, what do they all have in common? You know, so many of them, they were underdogs. They were not the most likely to succeed. Just like me, I'm not the most likely to succeed many times. And, and by talking to them, it transformed me. And I realized that these people, what they had is what I mentioned. They were able to give themselves permission to see beyond their current circumstances. Because sometimes our current circumstances, they overwhelm us. Or sometimes we believe other people's low expectations about us or people like us. And if we believe them, they become self-fulfilling prophecies. And that's what we don't want to happen. Yeah, that you said a lot of great things there. And it's so true. The blessing, I think, of, uh, again, of you having the opportunity and, and the ability to interview so many great people as a journalist, it does. It does change you. And we were talking a little bit before the recording. I mean, my life has been totally transformed because I've had 450 plus conversations. I can't, it's even hard to describe what that does to you. So that's a blessing that you saw that. And it's great. It's a great question to ask. What do all these people have? And it's interesting that you, you extracted that from them, that, you, that, that they refuse to accept whatever all the external noise that's coming into them, right? And, and, and that's the that's the head trash that all of us agree. That's one of the things I've learned from doing this show is that everybody has this, this head trash, these limiting beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. I always say you have to believe in your vision even before you have the results to validate it. Because everybody can believe in their vision once they won the lottery, once they know they have the winning ticket. <laughs> but, you have, but this is not the lottery, you know? You have to believe in that vision even before you have the results to validate it. And what I saw in all these people is what I call the virtuous circle, which is um, archetypes that live inside all of us. It's seven archetypes that constitute the virtuous circle. And I'm going to briefly explain that. Yes. Each one of them is a different chapter in the book. And I'm going to be really brief right now. The first one is what I call the dreamer. Everybody who has succeeded that I interviewed, they have an inner dreamer. The inner dreamer is the one that allows you to visualize that dream. Mm -hmm. The second archetype is the architect. The architect is the one that plans. Richard, you and me, we plan this conversation. We mm -hmm. plan our meals. We plan our budgets. We already have that inner architect inside of us. The third one, because you're not going to achieve great things just from visualizing and planning and planning. The third one is the maker. You have to execute. And so many people get stuck in this one. They dream, they plan, but they never execute. Mm -hmm. So once you execute, what happens? You're going to have errors and you're going to have things that you're going to do right. Uh, and so if you're smart, you're going to learn and you're going to become the next one, which is the apprentice. Everybody who I've seen succeed in life, they perfect their craft nobody gets far by doing what they do just at a so so level they perfect mm -hmm. their craft and i joke because i say what happens when you become really good at what you do and people say what happens well sometimes even when you're really good at what you do nobody pays attention <laughs> <laughs> right. that's why you need the next one which is the warrior the one that teaches you perseverance and when the perseverance of the warrior and the knowledge you have from the apprentice meet 
an opportunity because sooner or later in life, Richard, we come across opportunities. That's the moment of the achievement. And that's when I say you become the champion. And I ask every champion that I come across, champion, I beg you, what are you using your achievements for in this life? What are you using your achievements for? If you're using your achievements for something bigger than yourself, if you're using your achievements to make this world a better place, you are going to become the seventh and last archetype, which is the leader, the one that inspires. And this is called the virtuous circle. The book is called the virtuous circle because with your next idea, with your next project, with the next thing you have in mind, where do you go? Back to the beginning, to being a dreamer. Because the only thing that is constant, Richard, in this life is change. Yeah. I love I love the visual and, and how you kind of, the Cliff Notes version of what you just explained that. Because I think it was the first time that I've seen that what goes through my head, right? Because we all have, I have this gnawing and people I talk, I have this gnawing of wanting to create to do right so certainly the dreamer side of me is is strong right and even the architect thing i would say i'm i'm i've been better at that. i've gotten better at that right in creating this podcast i you know i had a dream i had a plan i'm executing it right i would even say now eight years into doing this show i'm probably entering the apprentice to warrior piece of it right mm -hmm. and and I can see how, okay, what am I going to do with this, right? And then champion, then become the leader. It's, it's like even when I talk about leadership, it's this it's the whole goal of leadership is to be a transformational leader, meaning leaders training other leaders, right? Otherwise, I think you're shaming the universe and what the obligation is. And to your point, the obligation I think that we have is to make the place better than we found it. And if that's our obligation, then if we use this step-by-step -step visualization of this virtuous circle, I think, I don't know, it, it gave me a lot of alignment and clarity about what I'm trying to do even personally. I don't know. I mean, that's just my own personal experience. When I read this, I was like, yeah, I can see where I'm at. And I can see, and I think back to all the times in my history where I've had a dreamer and a plan and I got stuck in the execution then I went to something else, right? Which is what most of us do probably. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yes, but I, I love it because it's a tool for self-examination yeah. and self-discovery. For example, for me, I know that when things get tough, I tend to disconnect from my inner dreamer. I tend to not see the world with the eyes of possibilities, but I catch myself, you know, because I am self-aware that this is a problem area for me. I know, on the other hand, that the warrior in me is very strong. I am a person who is going to persevere. I don't abandon my dreams prematurely so i know that's a good one um and i know that i am probably a person who if i have this burning desire and i plan i am not going to get stuck in the the maker i i probably are going to execute you know then as you say the apprentice i think the apprentice is so valuable in a changing world because the people who said okay i've learned everything i know it all you know, there's nothing else for me to know. I know I've, I've done it. You know, I've been in this business for 40 years or I've been in this business for such an amount of time. Really, we have to all handle mm -hmm. and know that in a changing world, nobody knows it all. And that archetype of the apprentice of perfecting your craft is one that we have to cherish in our heart. Yeah, always. to me, when I look at the I love I love that part of the wheel, the apprentice and the warrior wheel and this and that, because to me, that's where the 10,000 hours comes in, right? The perseverance, like the, when you're doing it and you're starting to get burned out. I mean, even like doing these interviews at some point, I mean, there's been multiple times, even during this eight years, I'm like, ah, another conversation. I know what this person's going to say. And I didn't do my homework. I didn't study the individual. You know, I didn't do the, I just cashed it in. Right. Cause I thought, oh, this is going to be an easy conversation. Right. I was Shame on me for not humbling myself and, and going to each conversation thinking, I have something to learn here. I can get better. I can become a better conversationalist. I can become a better interviewer, right? And it is. It's a great self-awareness tool. And, and the key to all of this is constant self-awareness. Where am I at in this wheel? And like you said, if I know that I'm strong as the warrior, 
then I can know, and I know that I struggle in the execution and the perfection piece, I just know where I need to work on, right? I just know where I need to dig in and, and my goal is to get to the warrior piece, then I know the rest will be easy, right? That's how I see it. And I think right now that we're going through such a challenging time, the warrior inside of us is something that we have to nurture so much because I always feel that the, the biggest danger when we're going through these uncertain waters is that we might make the mistake of jumping to permanent conclusions based on temporary circumstances. Uh, so what do I mean by that? Jumping uh, to, uh, to permanent conclusions based on temporary circumstances. When I graduated, in, I'm from Argentina originally, mm -hmm. when I graduated in Argentina, unemployment was 20%. Uh, it was a big moment of uh, uncertainty and stability in my country. We had five presidents in 10 days. It was crazy, crazy, <laughs> right. crazy. <laughs> and uh, for, a, for a moment, I spent two years unemployed. And for a moment, I thought that I was not going to be able to get a job in the media industry. Because when you knock on so many doors and when you spend so much time unemployed, you make the mistake of assuming that the lack of interest from the world and, floor, and from employers is a reflection on who you are as a mm -hmm. professional or who you are as a person. Like if they don't pay attention to me, it's because I have nothing of worth to offer. And that it's a negative, very negative mindset. And that is not true most of the times. But I was this close to giving up. I remember one day feeling at my lowest watching television in the afternoon, daytime television, and telling my husband, I started laughing, you know, because I saw a, a, a host, a TV host, she was larger than life, and she had a quality that only fantastic TV hosts have, and it is when you are with her, you forget about all your dramas, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, so right. I was depressed, but I was laughing watching the TV, and I told really carelessly, Check out this woman. She's amazing. In my next life, I want to work in media. And my, my husband, my boyfriend, looked at me and he knew I was speaking from a place of disbelief, of discouragement. And he asked me a question that changed my life. He said, Gabby, if this makes you so happy, if this makes you laugh, if this is something that makes you feel alive, why are you going to wait for your next life to do it? I was this close, Richard, to abandoning a dream that time proof was within yeah. my reach. But because but the problem was I was so tempted to jump to permanent conclusions about my future. I would never be able to get a job in media or in television or you name it based on circumstances that were only temporary the unemployment rate in Argentina. That could work. That could change. And if it didn't change, I could change location. But I was really close to giving up on a dream that made me so happy. I, I love that story. And I guess my question is, is like, so you're obviously in the dreamer stage and you're trying to advance and take to the next, you know, to become the architect, right? So you're sitting there on the couch and you're seeing that and like, I know I'm going to be the next, like your boyfriend who's now your husband at the, asked that question is like, why are you going to wait till the next life, right? Yeah. So what, if, if that was the kind of aha moment, what did you start doing after that? I mean, did you immediately go into the architect phase if you look back at it now? I mean, because I, I find myself even when I'm in that dreamer phase, and I'm in that visualization phase, right? And I love the idea of like making sure that the dream is real, right? I mean, because I think sometimes people get in that dream stage and what if the dream is just completely delusional? You know what I mean? I mean, how do you know that your dream isn't a delusion? Because you could sit there in Argentina. I could argue that you're sitting there in Argentina with that 20% unemployment rate going yeah. through 10 presidents in five days or whatever it was. <laughs> there would probably be people that would be close to you that love you deeply that would say, look, Gabby, that is a delusional dream. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, well, a delusional dream is to become a doctor in one year. You know, you cannot become a doctor in one year, you know. Yeah. Uh, there are things that are obviously not happening or not happening within the time frame. 
time frame. But there are things that really you don't know before starting. Right. And that, and that if you think they're not going to happen, um, you might deny yourself the chance of finding out. I agree. You know, and, uh, and maybe your dream was delusional. Maybe it was borderline delusional. <laughs> and the borderline delusional, I believe, is where pioneers and visionaries live. Yeah. Uh, because the fact that it hasn't been done before does not mean that it cannot be done right now. And in pursuing that dream, even if you don't achieve it, let's say I would never, let's say I was in Argentina and I didn't have a chance of working on camera and I didn't have a chance, things that happened to me did not happen. I believe that in that pursuit of finding out what is possible for you, in that pursuit of finding out what can be done and what cannot be done, you will surprise yourself in having more tools, in having more perseverance, in having more abilities. And that in itself is a treasure that it's worth figuring out. I agree with that. It is a, a fantastic answer. I love that, right? I mean, it'd be great if it was borderline delusional. And even if you <laughs> didn't achieve it, I mean, how many, how many people have you talked to where you've asked them, did you ever think you'd be doing this? And almost to the T, they would say, man, I had no idea I would be doing this, right? They started that pursuit doing X and they ended up in Y and Z and they never thought they would be in Y and Z, but they're so happy they're in Y and Z because they, to your point, they discovered, they learned more about themselves. They pushed themselves out of a comfort zone. Other opportunities presented themselves that they, they didn't expect and they went through that door, right? It just builds and leads upon itself. Mm -hmm. What I will tell people is be very smart with the risks you take. Yeah, it's smart risk. Uh, yes, because I am a person, imagine I came to this country with two suitcases uh, filled with dreams. I did long distance with my husband for one year and one month. So you know, I took a lot of risks and the, I did a lot of things that were unconventional uh, for, uh, for a woman, for somebody from Argentina, for somebody arriving in a new country. So I did a lot of things. But at the same time, there were some things that I knew um, I didn't want it to take as a risk. For example, I'm very adverse to risk when it comes to my financials. Mm -hmm. I never put myself in a situation where it's a make or break. And I know there's many entrepreneurs that they do that and sometimes it works for them and they grow their businesses exponentially faster. But I know if I did, the, if I did that, I would end up with a heart attack, <laughs> with right. some kind of ulcer. So it has to be the right amount of risk that makes sense to you. I know that I don't want to put myself in a make or break financial situation. Yeah, smart risk is definitely the, the, the way to go. But I think, I mean, how much do you think people have to be, I mean, how, I mean, I, I guess it's to be a dreamer becomes natural to me. But if you look at the landscape and someone that's picking up this book, do you find people, I mean, do you find it hard for some people to get out even the, of the dream state, right? You know what I mean? You talk about a lot in your book about how, you know, how to even visualize your own dream, right? Do you find people getting stuck there, I guess, is my question. I find, I find my kids getting stuck there, right? They don't mm -hmm. know what to do next or the, some people I want to come across. What do you say to that for people they don't know what to do next? I think it depends on the person. There are some people who it comes so natural to them and under incredibly difficult circumstances. Let me share a story with you. When I interviewed uh, Carlos Santana, he received us in his private uh, rehearsal studio in Las Vegas. I've been a fan of Carlos forever and ever. So I really wanted to do this interview and I did a lot of homework. And I knew that Carlos came from a very humble family, a dysfunctional family, and that he had been sexually abused as a child. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask Carlos when I met him was, Carlos, at what point, because coming from that background and achieving what he achieved, so it was so unthinkable and so unlikely for it to happen. So the question that I wanted to ask him was, Carlos, at what point 
did you realize you could become a rock star? And his answer was phenomenal <laughs> because in a very Carlos Santana-esque way, very <laughs> cool way, he told me, I asked him, you know, at what point did you realize you could become a rock star? And he said, Gabby, I was always a rock star. <laughs> they just didn't know it. <laughs> so that's, that's what I mean by people who gave themselves the permission to, to see their own potential, to see their own life uh, beyond their circumstances with the eyes of possibilities. And it looks like for some people like Carlos Santana, they could see uh, dysfunctionalities uh, you know, surrounding them or poverty and still have that inner voice over outer noise, that inner vision so strong. And for some other people, they have, you know, you look at them and if it's, and if it was a recipe, they had all the ingredients, you know, they have, they are smart, they have supportive families, they have resources, they have money, and there's something there that doesn't quite click, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I don't think we should have a deterministic way of approaching things. I think everything is like going to a gym. It's something that you recalibrate every day, that you're intentional every day, and that you can work on every day. But you need to have the time, the discipline, and the willingness to look within and see what is stopping you from taking that journey. You know, that Carlos Santana story reminds me, you know, I even say this, and, and it's kind of like when I talk about from a leadership perspective, what's the difference between a manager and a leader? And one of the, the key things for me is that leaders, they just, they don't know how, they don't know how it's going to happen. They just know it's going to happen. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? And, yes. and that's where that visualization comes in. That's where that faith aspect comes in i think and this is what we're talking about here in the dreamer side of it and you think and you and you look at carlos santana and i mean he's just one of millions of stories of people like how did they get out of that dysfunctional circumstance how did he overcome the sexual abuse how did he come you know and he's just like i don't know how i'm going to get there i just know i'm going to get there you know oprah talking about i just knew i was destined to do something right there's that something inside mm -hmm. of him and sometimes I think people love the process also. Carlos loves playing the guitar. Oprah loves communicating. Uh, in my own story, for example, I, I found out that it's very important to know that starting small is not the same as thinking small. Um, right. I started my, my show out of a carpet warehouse in West Texas. And right. that show eventually grew. Uh, I painted with my own hands, you know, the set. <laughs> right, right. And that show eventually grew to a, um, a nationally syndicated show and a show that won three daytime Emmys beating, and this is an independent show, mm -hmm. beating CNNs and the NBC <laughs> Telemundos and the, these companies that, you know, are gigantic. And, and I remember when we got our first nominations for a national Emmy, I called my... Uh, programming director and I told her we're very happy and we're very proud but you know it's very unlikely that we are going to <laughs> that we're going to beat CNN or that we're going to beat you know other shows and she said something that stick with me to this day and she said Gabby in television in life in projects in dreams money is not everything uh, there are other things that comes from a place of truth there are other things that comes from a place of how you approach your work that connects somehow with people and can go beyond screens and can go beyond and i truly believe uh, she didn't call it energy or hocus pocus or anything mm -hmm. like that but i do believe at the end of the day there's only one language and that's the language of energy and that's why people who listen to a song and don't know the lyrics, they get emotional and they cry because they know the intention and the energy behind that song, for example.
Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of this special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they've built one of the region's fastest growing banks by working side by side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. I agree with you. And I think it, it ties into the visualization. I think it, it ties into the mental images that you need to create. Some people call that manifestation, whatever. But I think that part of the journey is so key. I know it's been important for me. It's just visualizing well, where, what is the outcome that I'm trying to achieve. Like, and, that, and that changes as I go through the process and the journey, right? As I discover new things. But the art of visualization is so tantamount to me for my leadership journey and my own personal journey, right? It's like I can see the outcome. Sometimes it's even hard to articulate the outcome and I can see it, if that makes sense, right? Like I can see it, but sometimes I can't even articulate it. Does that, does that make sense? Yes, yes. I think that sometimes we are also scared to say our dreams <laughs> aloud uh-huh. uh, because I do believe that our dreams are the most sacred part of ourselves. Mm. We are very... Um, we are very particular about who we share them with mm. in the beginning. You know, we are very particular sometimes of even imagining it in our, our minds, you know, wh- whether that is if you want to be pregnant, if you want to start a business, if you, whatever that is, sometimes we don't even give ourselves permission to have that mental image in, in our minds. But I think at the same time, there's like two forces. One is, uh, this force that sometimes is fear that, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you're fearful even to imagine it, to consider it. Yeah. But at the other end, it's like a burning desire, you know, mm-hmm. like a burning desire to do something, to have something manifested in this world. And it, it, for example, in my case, I know when I'm breaking barriers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there is like some burning desire that is, guiding me mm-hmm. i i always say that um sometimes i i do and i and i and i you know execute things uh and i don't see many many people like me many latinas many mm-hmm. immigrants doing the things that i am doing but there's some kind of force that is a burning desire that guides me and i also know the other side the the side of fear the side that tells me that uh, there's people who are going to assume that you are uneducated mm-hmm. only because English happens to be your second language. You know, mm-hmm. that watch out, that why are you speaking in public? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? But I choose to say it out loud because I think it's like a spell. When you say it out loud, <laughs> it has to disappear. So that's why I also speak about accentism you know that's mm-hmm. why i speak about so many things and i was so intentional of being the narrator of my own audiobook yeah. because when you go to to any platform and you listen to audiobooks on leadership you don't have people who sound like me and leaders right. we come in all shapes sizes forms accents you name it and that's the <laughs> message i want to send to the universe yeah no i think it's great and it's like you're you're in what you're tapping into yeah i think it would have been a shame i think you would have shamed the universe if it wasn't your voice on your audiobook right but you, but going to even the point of like what what propelled you to say saying i know this is the right way you 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 had that visualization right i keep going back to that visualization you knew 
something was put on your heart. I guess, I, and I've been a, a big believer of this, is like if the universe, the God, the angels, muse, put something on your heart, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and if it's on your heart and it's important to you and you, you have that self-awareness and you know that is what you want to do, there is a level of resistance that exists. I don't know how it exists or why it exists. It will try to stop you, right? It will try to prevent you from doing it. But if you choose to continue to move, the universe has to move, right? The resistance, mm-hmm. the resistance will try to kill you but, or stop you. But if you continue to move, right, and, and you know and you listen to that, whatever the angels, the muse, God, the universe put on your heart, the universe has to move. I, I'm a firm believer in that. I get a lot of that out of particularly that first, that chapter on visualization, right? Or the dreamer, the dreamer chapter. Mm-hmm. And I say that the dreamer, it's in its purest state mm-hmm. when you are a child, because you don't question yourself mm-hmm. what your dream is. You don't ask, I'm going to be an astronaut. How? You don't, you don't ask yourself how. You just want right. to be an astronaut. You know, uh, you want to do this, you want to do that, and you don't question it uh, yourself. And also, I find a lot of courage in uh, seeing the bigger picture. If you're doing something that is a contribution to the world, if you're putting out there something that is going to help other people, uh, I think that has to give you so much courage, so much encouragement. I I always say, and I said it in my TED talk, um, every time you pioneer, you move the yeah. world forward. Because Every time you're doing something and it has not been done and it's a contribution and you're facing that resistance that you're talking about and it's out in the world, you're moving the world forward in your own, in your own particular way. And that is something that it's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. And it's a feeling that I think it's bigger than any insecurity or anything that might pop up, you know before sharing what you have to share in this world. Yeah, that's profound what you said. And I think it goes back to the point that I think, and these dreams don't, I think it's important for individuals. These dreams don't have to be, like I said, changing, impacting the world like Mother Teresa. But if it's changing your world or you're part of it, right? And you're adding value Mm -hmm. and you're making the place better than you found it. You're adding value to this transaction. The dream is not an egotistical or selfish dream. It's something that pushes the ball forward or, or, or contributes to mankind. I mean, you're right. I mean, I think that's the obligation that we have to pursue. I really do. And it doesn't have to be, like I said, newsworthy world changing. It's changing your world, right? Whatever your world is. Mm-hmm. It could be being a pioneer in the world or in your world. If you're the first one who finished high school in right. your family or who went to college or you're the first one who broke a cycle of violence or you're the first one who started a business. Whatever that is, you know, you are already pioneering in your world. You're already making an impact. It doesn't matter if your platform is two people or two million people. Uh, it's, it's still a, a great contribution. And if we think of our, about our own lives, probably the people who made the biggest contribution, they were not the ones that 500 million followers. They were the ones we saw in, in our everyday life. It could be a teacher, it could be a parent, it could be a friend, somebody who um, led by example, somebody who saw potential in you, uh, somebody who was your ally when you were feeling down. And that has nothing to do with being famous, with being rich, with being, you know, it's, it's being a person of service. And many times those are the people that surround us that make life changing clicks for us and they change the trajectory of our lives yeah yeah i love it i love everything you're saying well even think about it rosa parks right sitting on the deciding not to stand all she decided to do was not sit Mm -hmm. in the colored section of the bus right she (laughs) said no i'm sitting here today right she chose that that's that and that really kind of sparked the civil rights movement or at least it gave a lot of tender and fuel to the 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 burgeoning Mm -hmm. civil rights movement right so one person can make one decision. I always like those things. You know, we're always one decision away from radically changing our life, right? And it's true. And, and I thought about that reading this book that, you know, we're, we're always one decision away from radically changing our life. And the virtuous circle, mm-hmm. 
I love the, I'm a visual learner. And so that's why I love it because I love the circle and seeing what you said. It's like, now where am I at? I mean, that's the first time I've ever seen this kind of cycle, like I said, but I love the warrior piece. I was going to bring this up because I, I, with all the interviews that you've done, the conversations and the people you've met, one, people always ask me, what have you learned from talking to 450 people? And the thing that always, that one of the things that stands out, there's a, a couple things. And one of them that stands out is that it's less about the talent and it's more about the tenacity that everybody I've talked to that has achieved what I consider something of significance to the T they've all said, look, there were people smarter than me. They were richer than me. They had the right looks. They had everything. And the only reason why I succeeded and they didn't is I just went one more day, mm-hmm. right? I didn't quit and they did. Yeah, That's something I, I touch on the book. There's a part that says it's a myth that talent is rare. Mm-hmm. Talent right. is abundant there's abundance of talent Mm -hmm. what is rare is the determination to take that talent to fruition is the determination to have this idea write the script finish the script (laughs) pitch it until it gets done you know Mm -hmm. i was um I was thinking about the other day, uh, the this series, which is now the most seen series in Netflix, the one about chess. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, the Queen's Gambit. Yes. And I read that it took like, I think it was like 30 years or so to years. get it done. Because who wanted to produce a series about chess? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Nobody. How do you pitch that? Yeah. And then when you watch it, it's just like it's in cat. It's right. It's it's enthralling to watch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. It is. It's just. It's the never giving up piece. I guess the challenge becomes is like when you find yourself in that part where it's like, man, I'm, is my work paying off? Am I doing the right thing? What can I do different? Where we're perfecting our craft. Mm-hmm. The warrior gets up every single day, regardless of even though the body's telling you no, maybe even the mind's telling you no. But you get up and you continue to persevere and go forward. How does how do you do that? I mean, how do you when you find yourself in those low moments and you got to it seems like a grind and like, how do you keep going forward? What do you do spiritually, physically, mentally to keep going forward? Well, I believe the warriors should rest also. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there, there's a part of the book that says that praise, praise of sadness to recover joy and um, and the thing is, the phoenix had to burn first to the ashes to be rebirthed. <laughs> right. And so many times uh, we push ourselves, especially in this space of personal growth, self-help, leadership, the way you want to name it. There's a very thin line between personal growth, self-help, and self-hate. Mm-hmm. Because what happens when you set a goal, you persevere, and you didn't achieve it. Some people, they punish themselves for not being able to achieve that goal. And that's something that is never positive. That's something that is never productive. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, sometimes we have to cut ourselves some slack. You know, you can always try again in the future. You can always think again. You can always redirect. You can always pivot. But the thing is, sometimes you really need to recharge. Sometimes you're going through sadness. Sometimes you're going through processing a lot of emotions. And when you force yourself to, to stay, quote, positive all the time, you are denying yourself from experiencing the whole range of human emotions we came equipped with. Uh, and I feel that we're we're only human so you have to recognize sometimes you're going to be able to do it sometimes you might need to not stop your dream but put put a little pause recharge reset get back on the ring yeah i love the part in the book and it's right before you you talked about the myth the myth talent piece you got a table in there about the battles are one inside and manifest on the outside i love that kind of the internal battle of in the, you have Basically, I think four, three ideas there. You're like, I deserve to be loved. My ideas and opinions are valuable, and I believe in my potential. You break those three. Those three things resonate because I, it seems like those are the when I'm in my lowest, or that, and the limiting beliefs always attack me, and they still do. And that's the other thing I've learned from talking to all these people I've had on my show. People still deal with that today, even though they've mm-hmm. achieved significant. They still deal with 
the limiting beliefs or what happened to them as a child or the weird conversation they had with their father or mother or whatever, right? And this deserve to be loved, that my ideas and opinions are valuable and I believe in my potential. Think about all those limiting beliefs, I think. It's like, ah, you know, I don't deserve this, right? Because I'm a selfish pig. Or you, you, you'll draw yourself <laughs> back to something that you've done that isn't love-worthy in your mind, right? Or that your ideas or your opinions are valuable. I mean, how many times have we said to ourselves, ah, that's a dumb idea. You know, who's going to think that? Just like you gave the example in your, your speech when you got chosen for that contest right to go speak uh-huh. and how many times did you say to yourself god no one's gonna want to listen to this story right yeah so i love the i love the table there because it, it because on the other side of it he says there are things that you can say to yourself i accept or i do not accept right you can these are things that you can say to yourself right mm-hmm. because also i have uh, i have the experience of sometimes well now now i'm 42 so i'm not the youngest one in the group anymore but i have the experience in the beginning of maybe being part of groups with older people and i was just arrived in 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 the united states so i was new i was self-aware with the language and also i was young and i was there in meetings where you know what are your ideas and i had an idea but i didn't put up my hand you know because I was not confident enough and somebody with more seniority would say exactly what I had in mind and yay, wonderful (laughs) idea. (laughs) I was leaving all these meetings so mad at myself, not taking the chance of sharing it. And if you share it and it it doesn't get picked, so what? Doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I particularly, you know, when I look at perseverance and I think of the time, I mean, I, I ask myself, how did I get to this point? Because I'm at a point now, I'm 52, but I would think that at this point, I'm not afraid of the no's. I'm not afraid of trying things anymore. And I've certainly morphed into that. It was a slow fade into that. It wasn't one night, one day I was this way, and then one night I became this way. But I look at myself in my 20s and my 30s or even my teens, and like I was was more risk adverse than I am now. I'm smart risk. I'm not going to do things stupid. But I'm not afraid to try anything. I'm not afraid of rejection anymore. Are you that Mm -hmm. way too now? I mean, I'm just not afraid of getting turned down anymore, I guess. I had to. I had to be because when you are uh, starting again from scratch, you have to uh, knock on so many doors and at the same time, you are a small business owner and at the same time you are trying new things. I always say that you have to know that rejection is part of the process. Yes. Uh-huh. Rejection mm-hmm. is not something terrible that happened Mm-mm. to you and the world hates you and who do these people think you are and there's a conspiracy against me. Rejection is part of the right. pro- of the process, and if you get a lot, if you're pitching an idea or if you're looking for a job and you only get a small dose of rejection, lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. but that's not usually how. Where you go through knocking on multiple doors until you get a yes or a maybe, and then you fight to turn that maybe into a yes, and also when you are receiving those no's. You have to think about how can I get closer to a yes? Mm-hmm. Because, um, for example, in my case, I a year and a half ago, a little bit less than a year and a half ago, I became a beauty founder. I launched my own beauty line, my own hair extensions line. And really, whenever we get a return, whenever we have a, a client that is angry, we always go back to what is it that didn't work? What can we do better next time? How can we get this person to to be happy or to, uh, instead of buying one of our products, buy two of our products? So it's, you don't have to put your ego in there because if you put your ego in there, you said, oh, she didn't understood the concept. Oh, she's not appreciative of our product or this person is not getting it. And at the end of the day, you also have to listen to those no's, not in a sense of giving up on your dream or giving up prematurely on, on your dream or being discouraged. But if you have the fortune of being able to ask, what can I do to get closer to a yes? How can this no 
you know, what, what is the reasoning behind this no? Sometimes you get a no just because you got a no. There's no budget. This is not a priority. Um, you know, there's so many variables. There's recession. You know, there's so many variables. But at the end of the day, you don't want to be the last blockbuster in the planet. You have to listen to what the market and what the world is telling you. If the world is telling you, we love live streaming, and you get a no and a no and you know, and you're still with your DVD in the past, I'm not, I'm not going to take a no for an answer. I'm not going to take. And I think there was this last blockbuster. I think it was in, in Alaska. Right. Was the last right. one. And it finally closed. And yeah. I said, okay. Of course, they get a 10 in persevering, but at some point, you have to listen to what is happening because I'm all for being a big warrior and for persevering, but you have to be smart also to learn and read the room, read the market and figure out what is happening. Yeah, I like the idea that, that the no's, and I, and I personally look at this way, I mean, I don't, nobody likes rejection. And it doesn't mean that they don't, it's not painful when it happens. But I remind myself that the rejection is just leading me down the path that I'm going to. Because I have to believe, I have to have the faith. This is how I look at it. And I have to, and I, your book, I think, reinforces this. I have to look at it as like, okay, it's just going to, this rejection is just steering me towards the path that, you know, a better path that, that is eventually going to come my way. Right? Mm-hmm. I, you know. In the book, I have two types of no's. There's the detour no, which is the one mm-hmm. that you're talking about. You know, I get a no, and this no is sometimes unexpected, and somehow it makes me think about different options. You know, mm-hmm. that is a detour no. Then there's another kind of no that is the uphill no. The uphill no is the one when, for example, you are studying for an exam that is kind of hard, and you didn't get to pass the exam. So in order to pass the exam, sometimes you have to put more effort. Right. Or you are an actor and you want your first role and you're going through an audition and another audition, audition. And, and, and so when we get a no, we don't know what kind of no it is. So and that's, that's the mystery. You know, you don't know if this is a no that is meant for you to detour and when you have a detour no, the message is for you to consider other alternatives. Or if you have an uphill no, and that is the type of no's where it's asking you to strengthen your focus. When you have an uphill no in front of you, what you have to do is be super concentrated and have that laser focus yeah. on yeah. whatever you want to achieve. When you have a detour, no, what you have to do is to consider different alternatives. But you don't know sometimes what kind of no you have in front of you. For example, for me, when I was in Argentina, I received a lot of no's and they ended up being detour no's. Mm -hmm. Consider living in another place. Consider different options. Consider applying for scholarships uh, in other countries. Consider other things that you're not considering. Uh, right now. And when it came to my first opportunities in my career, like my first, your first opportunity on camera, back in the day, there was no podcasting, there was nothing (laughs) like this. So somebody, there was these gatekeepers who had to Mm. kind of see something in you from out of a pile of candidates and give you your first opportunity on camera. And um, and those are the no's where it was an uphill no. If you really wanted that opportunity, you had to persevere until you get the, the most difficult part, which is to get the first yes. When you have the first yes, then you have a reel. And then you could show other people, yes, I was on camera before. This guy or this woman, they, they believed in me and they gave me the opportunity. And here I am on camera. Uh, so you don't know at the yeah. moment. You know, those are my two favorite chapters, the Dreamer one and the Warrior chapter. There's so many. I mean, we've barely scratched the surface <laughs> of what is in this book. You have really presented a value-packed book, and it touches so many aspects of limiting beliefs, of faith, of spirituality, of believing in yourself, it's personal stories that augment everything that you say, but there's there's practical tools in here on, on how to get through each stage of the virtuous circle and like we just touched on two of them and barely scratched the surface in this 
you know, almost 50 minute conversation that we've had on this. <laughs> I think you've done a wonderful job, Gabby. I think it's, it's a really great book. And just watching you speak to, again, just a, a couple of aspects that are, are chock full in the book. I highly encourage everyone to go get it because anybody that's listened to me and listened to the show, you know, I, I believe in this stuff and I, I eat this stuff up. I want everybody to achieve it. This really is a roadmap and a visual tool to remind us where we're at. If we got something on our heart, if there's a dream from the angel, the muse, the God, universe, whatever. I, that's why I love this book, because now I can use it and say, this is where I'm at, right? And then eventually, hopefully, get to that part and start the cycle over, over again, right? To make the universe better than we found it. Absolutely. And, and also to discover what are the areas that you are naturally strong at, you know, yeah. and which are the areas where, okay, if you know that you get stuck in the maker and in executing, okay. So I now know that planning comes natural to me, visualizing comes natural to me, but I'm not jumping in. Yeah. So you, you, you kind of have that tool of knowing where you get stuck and what comes natural yeah. to you. Yeah, and the leader chapter two, um, all the type of leadership that we talk about here, the compassionate side of leadership, of adding value, not stepping on people, you know, uniting them instead. <laughs> and my God, doesn't the world need that, right? The world needs a lot of uniting at this point, right? And those are the type of leaders that we need. Absolutely. And, and also leading by example, mm -hmm. because I make a differentiation between the champion and the leader. The champion is the one right before the leader. The champion is the one who has achieved whatever it set out to do in the beginning of the virtuous circle, in the beginning of the cycle. But not all champions uh, become leaders. There are champions who only collect their own individual achievements, but they never use those achievements to make this a better world. That's why in my own definition of leadership, uh, those people who are not well-meaning, those people who are not kind-hearted, those people who do not use whatever life gave them or whatever they accomplished, to, to make a difference for good in this world, they don't even qualify in my yeah, book. Yeah, well leader. said. I agree with you 100%. 100% <laughs> agree with you. The book is awesome. Is there anything that we have as we, as we close up here, approaching an hour and a conversation, a great, great conversation with you, is there anything that no. we haven't talked about that you want to make sure people understand here in the last minutes? I just want to continue the conversation you know i just want people to you know make sure they are following in social media every day i do a live at 9 a.m where we recalibrate our energy and and set our intentions for the day uh, it's only 10 minutes or 15 minutes and also i want to remind people what we mentioned and we touched upon before remember to keep seeing the world from the place of possibilities mm. Uh, remember that you don't have to jump to permanent conclusions based on temporary circumstances. And two more things that I always say in my lives. One, I want people to know that your uniqueness is your gift to this world because so many times we are ashamed of our uniqueness. And I know I had to do inner work to appreciate all the things that made me me that did not resemble anybody else and that makes me unique in this world and also in this personal growth space, owning my story. My, your life story is not an apology, so you have to own it. And the last thing is that um, when we open ourselves up to the world, we take those freaks, risks, we make those calls, we make the interviews, we talk to each other. When we open ourselves up to the world, the world opens itself up back to us. You will not believe the changes and how your world is going to start expanding when you first make the deliberate decision, the deliberate choice to open yourself up to the world. Well said. What a great way to end the conversation. I love it. The <laughs> book is The Virtuous Circle, Restore Your Confidence, Bounce Back, and Emerge Stronger. Great book. I highly recommend everybody get it. Great conversation, Gabby. This was just so much fun. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. I enjoyed this conversation very much. Besos to everyone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. 
tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.